So we're taking a few weeks, last week, this week, and the weeks leading up to Easter, and looking at these stories that Jesus told. And he spoke in parables largely to help walk the disciples towards what he was going to do. If Jesus was who he said he was, and is who he says he is, then the religion of following him is one that both subverts and transcends religion at the same time. By saying that religious activity merits nothing. And yet there's all sorts of religious activity that goes along with a trusting faith in him. And I say that because the parables, most of the time, on their own, don't tell us what the good news is. Because the disciples were not ready, and you and I are barely ready, to understand Jesus as God and man. That his work on the cross and his resurrection are an atonement for sin. And the only way that a human can be reconciled to God. And I say that because I could read this parable to you. And then turn it into a segue into any self-help talk you and I have ever heard. It's that good, first of all. It's that well told of a story 2,000 years ago by this carpenter. But secondly, it's because it needs the rest of the gospel. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all uh, tell the story. Jesus tells the story in all three of those gospels. And in large part, the gospel of John answers all the questions that would pop into our mind about what's the news Jesus is actually alluding to. Because in this story, all he does is allude to it. Because how do you explain to someone that you're you're fully man, but you're also fully God? That you're going to die and then rise again from the dead. You and I have heard that term a lot, resurrection, because it's 2017, and uh, we're used to the idea of Christianity, but none of the Greeks or the Romans or the other religions nearby had any kind of strong concept of this. And so the parables are incredibly rich as stories. But if we just had the parables and not the work of Christ, they could just be used to give any self-help talk. And yet Jesus is saying and implying here and elsewhere that we need a lot more help than self-help. And I'm not being self-deprecating about that. I'm just saying that you and I need something greater than advice. You and I need something greater in order to actually have and experience peace in our hearts. We're calling the series uh, Secrets of the Kingdom for reasons that we'll, you'll see in the text that we're looking at. In Romans fourteen seventeen, the Apostle Paul describes the kingdom as righteousness, peace, and joy. And I just want to focus on peace today. Because Jesus is going to be indirectly describing it. You and I know that we need it. When you read the news, we feel unsettled because men and women continue to be violent towards one another around the world. I don't know about you, but sometimes I worry about my family and my friends. And I wonder where there's peace for their stories. And I wonder where there's peace for me that I can still love them well without, you know, spiking emotionally. You ever hear the story of a friend and they're hurting and you just jump inside we're in Luke chapter 8 verses 4 through 15 this morning and when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him he said in a parable a sower went out to sow his seed and as he sowed some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it 
and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You'd call this the parable of the sower. One of the attenders of our first service called it the parable of the ADD farmer, who just scattered seed everywhere. I thought that was clever. I said, did you make that up? And she said, yes. <laughs> I thought that was pretty interesting. In verse 9, picking up, And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. That's a euphemism for I'm going to gently, slowly help them understand this religion that transcends religion through a trusting faith in me. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And if I'm sitting in the audience, I'm like, okay, how do we stop that from happening? But Jesus just keeps talking. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And we've all seen that, if we're honest, probably in our own lives and certainly around us. And if I were sitting in the audience, I'd be like, all right, Jesus, would you pause? Let's pause there. Tell me how to not have that happen. But he keeps going. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Isn't Jesus' teaching style amazing? He didn't say... Their cares and riches and pleasures because those things are bad. He said they became over-concerned with those things and they were distracted from the deeper and more important truths about God. This is not said as a stern command against those things, but as a description that you and I are capable of being distracted from our dominant purpose as a human being, which is loving God with our activity and emotions and loving neighbor with our activity and emotions. This verse explains why church attendance fluctuates. And Jesus is not being mean about it. He's not beating us up. And frankly, if I wasn't a professional Christian, I'm sure I would not be here every Sunday. It's all right that you miss sometimes. Boy, that joke went over better in the first service. <laughs> Verse 14 explains why sometimes we don't make it to church. Verse 15, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Throughout this parable, Jesus is implying that there's news that will change our lives for the better forever. That's bearing fruit. There are two options. There's hearing the news, believing it, and trusting. And there is not believing and trusting it. Now, there are four, four options in the story about how people get to one of those two places. We don't know what the good news is from this text. That's why we need the book of John. And frankly, the whole rest of the New Testament goes back and answers, what is the news? 
I'd summarize it this way. The news is that God exists. He loves you and likes you. But you were born into a world broken by decay. And you and I participate in that. Everyone in this room has actually, except maybe a little baby, has actually hurt another person on purpose. Repeatedly. Christians call that sin and it's a big problem. The gospel begins with God loving and liking us, but then the world is broken and we participate in that brokenness. And then God, in his loving kindness, sent Jesus as the intervention so that we can be reconciled to him and to neighbor. That's the news. In the outline, it's right. In light of the news, we pay really close attention to these secrets of the kingdom, to these parables that he told. Because in them is peace. I don't know about you. Maybe you don't have any of the emotional spikes that I talk about when I'm worrying about my loved ones. Maybe the news around the world doesn't bother you. Maybe you don't wonder about loving neighbor better or why your work can be so frustrating or why the world is just such a disorienting place. But I do. And I think probably many of us do too. Jesus told these stories, called them secrets of the kingdom in Luke chapter 8. And in considering them, you and I experienced the peace that he purchased for us on the cross. Would you pray with me? Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. Many of us this morning are not at peace because the world is an unsettling place. Our own stories and the stories around the whole globe unsettle us. And yet you have promised us peace. You offer it to us in the Holy Spirit. And you tell us that it is ours in a trusting relationship with you. So help us this morning to believe in it and to trust it. In your name we pray. Amen. So in light of that news that God loves us, that our sin is a big deal and destructive, that he calls us into relationship with him and into mission, we consider what we believe. Do you know that there are a billion people today that profess the Apostles' Creed is what they believe. And I'm not going to print the whole thing. I, I Probably most of us have at least part of it memorized and you wouldn't think that you do, but you start reading and you're like, oh, right, I know this. You realize how wild the claims of our belief are in the Apostles' Creed? We're essentially saying that we follow a religion that subverts and transcends religion simultaneously. Because none of the actions merit anything. None of the religious things that we do make God happy with us. The work of Christ makes God happy with us. So we show up mostly to remind ourselves of that. And then we expect that learning to remind ourselves of the good news will actually grow us up into men and women who are good at loving him and loving neighbor. That's wild. That's one of the purposes of church is to stop and consider our beliefs. It seems to me that, that many believe 
but not so many follow. The difference is in intellectual assenting or humble following of Jesus. Looking to him to explain our stories to us and the world. Looking to him for the peace that he talked about all the time. And so what we do is we show up. We engage the religious text, in this case the Apostles' Creed. We profess that. We're praying and asking that profession to turn into a faith. That faith to turn into a following of Jesus that produces peace. This is why my job is so easy and so difficult simultaneously. To put the words of the Apostle, which we're not going to do right now. We do it when we take communion once a month. To put the words of the Apostles' Creed in front of us and get everyone to say them is not very hard. You showed up to church. You might have expected the holy man to tell you to do something and you do the thing and then you move on. But then the job is so difficult in that I don't know how many of us have let our imaginations just be blown away by the claims that we profess in the Apostles' Creed. That there was a man named Jesus, that he was fully God and fully man, that all we need to be in relationship with God is a knowledge of our need. That doesn't sound religious. That doesn't even sound like self-help. So what we do in light of the news is we consider our beliefs. beliefs, And then we give ourselves time. The only command in this text is bear fruit with patience. What does that even mean? How do we, like, how, how do you go home and apply bear fruit with patience? We've talked about this before. How many of you have ever been like, I'm going to be more patient? And then... It happened. Right. So why is Jesus saying this? I, I do believe he's being really clear that it's going to take a little while. I believe we need to give each other time, not necessarily excuses. Listen, when you and I lie to one another, we need to, ask for, we need to say that we're sorry and then ask for forgiveness. But when we're expecting to grow, to mature, to experience the peace that Christ purchased for us. That's going to take a little while. In this parable, fruit grows. Does it grow instantly? No, it's fruit. The Bible uses tree descriptions also. We looked at one of those last week. So I don't want it to sound like we have an excuse to live however we want, but we need to notice that Jesus is saying that a trusting relationship with him will produce that fruit of peace in our lives, but it will take a while. That doesn't mean we have license to sin. I think if we actually took a look at the Ten Commandments, we might notice one or two that we could work on for the benefit of our own heart and families. And I think we need to do that because when you and I choose sin, it's destructive. When we choose to exaggerate how much money we spent a little bit in relationship to our spouse, that's called lying and it's destructive. But growing out of that takes time. That's what Jesus is pointing out. There is no immediate fruit, but there is fruit. So I want to ask you a question. If you profess faith in Jesus, what difference has it made in your life? 
How are you different? Some of you have been followers of Jesus for a long time and you can answer immediately. And that should encourage your heart that the Holy Spirit is real and has grown you up. I am less sarcastic. I'm still sarcastic and I'm working on it. It's because I always think it's going to be funny and it rarely is. I mean, sometimes I'm quite funny. But (laughs) much of the time it's just sarcasm. And I, a trusting faith in Jesus for the last 20 years has grown me into a better neighbor through less sarcasm. My brother's in the room. If you want to ask him after church if that's true, I believe he would tell you, yes, Matt can be very, very, very sarcastic. But maybe he's growing up a little bit. What difference has it made? Because this, the profession of this faith, the profession of the Apostles' Creed, a faith in Jesus, is supposed to make a difference. It's supposed to give us internal peace and turn us into a better lover of God and neighbor. For some of you, like, I don't know the difference right now. It's, just take some time with the question. And if you haven't seen it yet, be encouraged that Jesus says it takes a little while. But there is fruit. You know why this is encouraging? Is part of the reason that we're all in here, even if it's just a tiny bit of us, long for a changed life. We might like most of our life, but we don't experience internal peace. Or we might have internal peace, but we're confused about all the relationships in front of us. And Jesus is saying, with strange, indirect, passive language, that a trusting relationship with him gives that. It gives internal peace. It gives direction in how to treat God and treat others. It gives interpretation of our story. It's one of my favorite things about the good news of Jesus, is it explains to me the people that have hurt me, and how the people that I've hurt, I need to go and tell them I'm sorry and ask their forgiveness. So in light of the news, you and I need to consider our beliefs, and that's a very significant and important part of coming to church. We consider our beliefs through prayer. We consider our beliefs through conversation with people. We consider our beliefs through the texts. We consider our beliefs through the creeds. We consider our belief through the songs. Expecting to be grown up into men and women who bear fruit. We give ourselves some time for that. I think one of the ways that you and I do not bear fruit with patience is this. I think there are two skills that I want to encourage us towards in light of this text. That Jesus loves us, calls us to bear fruit. Love for him and love for neighbor. The first way that we mess this up is by beating ourselves up. Do you know how often you use the word just to kind of subtly whip yourself. Maybe you're not like all the other humans I've ever been friends with or who have sat in my office. But like, if I would just... And then there's an expectation. Do you realize how often you call yourself not normal? Meaning, you're kind of dumb. Like, you just do it in your head. Maybe you do it out loud. A normal person would have just parented this way. A normal person would have just done this in relationship. A normal person wouldn't have made this financial mistake. A normal person, blah, 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 blah. We have no idea how to give ourselves a break. And that's actually why earlier I was saying that when we sin, when we hurt someone, 
We don't just say, oh, that wasn't a big deal. No, it was. We need to say we're sorry and ask their forgiveness. But we need to also learn the spiritual skill of giving ourselves a little bit of a break. How often do you call yourself an idiot in the course of seven days in your own head? I know this is a very sophisticated audience. Most of us would never do that, but maybe a few of us beat ourselves up. Listen to me. If you're a follower of Jesus and you beat yourself up for the mistakes that you make, you're saying his work on the cross wasn't enough. You have to add to it. Stop doing that. Like the worst rhetorical thing to say ever. Like at least like stop doing that. But... I'm trying to help us notice how we don't bear fruit with patience. We have said the creeds and sung the songs and prayed the prayers and we don't know how to allow for the fact that the world is a really messy place and it takes us a little while to grow up. How often do you describe something you did as stupid? It was probably a mistake, and you'd probably like to do it different next time, but it wasn't. It wasn't because you're stupid. It's because being a human being well is difficult. And the last four minutes of my sermon could fit in with like any self-help talk. Like right here, talking about how t- prone we are to beat ourselves up. The more important skill for you and I to learn is to preach the good news to our own hearts. I don't actually think, partly because I don't know how good of a, you know, compelling of a speaker I am, but also it's not actually good news to just say stop beating yourself up. Because what hope is there in that? The hope is in the full truth of the gospel explained a little more explicitly in the book of John and then in the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament. That God loves us and likes us. This is the way I summarize it. But our sin is a big deal and destructive. And he calls us into relationship with him and into mission. You and I, in addition to learning not to beat ourselves up, need to learn far more importantly how to summarize that news to ourselves. You know why? That's how we, re- that's how we enjoy the peace If the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace, so there's peace. There's peace for our hearts. You and I can actually experience peace. How? In the midst of such a disorienting world. Learning to remind ourselves of the news that is true. That God loves us and likes us. That our sin is a big deal and we can't save ourselves. We need Jesus for that. And we have him. When Jesus says, bear fruit with patience, it's learning, it's you and I needing to learn the spiritual skill, I believe, of of not beating ourselves up, and then way more importantly, preaching the gospel to ourselves. That's our hope. That's our hope for internal peace. That's our hope for our relationships that we're in. That's our hope to neither find our full identity in our work, nor believe that it's just worthless. Actually comes from... Learning to summarize the gospel, not just on Sunday, but on Monday and Thursday and Saturday. 
And we need to find our own language. I'm telling you my language because this is really good for my heart to share it with you. And I'm the lead pastor, so you know they put a microphone on me and all that. But we need, you need to learn your language too for preaching it to ourselves. And what happens is, as we learn to preach the gospel to ourselves, the peace that Christ promised and purchased for us is ours. It's already ours, but we need to learn the skill of reminding ourselves of it. Would you pray with me? Father, we believe. Help our unbelief. We are disoriented and unsettled people who long to experience peace. We believe it's true and it's real, but we forget it. Would, you, would your Holy Spirit remind us of the peace you have purchased for us? For those that are considering the good news of Jesus, Lord, would you let them know gently but clearly that that is the offer. The offer is peace. For those that have trusted you for a long time, would they be encouraged by the peace that you've brought to their story? For those of us that are unsettled, Lord, because of circumstances or whatever other reason, Lord, would your spirit palpably give us peace? We know that you purchased these things, Lord, and yet we know that the world is still a big mess. We believe, Lord, help our unbelief. Amen.